Hello everybody, my name is Brian Wenger. This is the Small Bees Kaizen Podcast, episode 21. Small Bees Kaizen Podcast is a show I put together to talk and share some inspirational ideas about how you can use Kaizen or continuous improvement as a central part of business strategy. So in other words, how do you apply the tried and trusted methods and methodologies that are out there to help your business improve and achieve your business objectives. So what have we got lined up on this show? Today, it's really a brain dump of a topic that is very close to my heart in terms of helping businesses improve. I'm talking here about problem solving. So no doubt the whole aim of continuous improvement is eliminating problems that are encountered and these are inevitable. Every business, regardless of the nature of the business, regardless of the age of the business, is faced with problems every now and again, sometimes too often than necessary. And this is the heart and essence of continuous improvement. It's really the opportunity to eliminate or significantly reduce the impact of the problems that are our businesses face on a day-to-day basis. So I'm going to be talking today about three key things which are fundamentals when you look at the approaches to use when it comes to problem solving. So the first thing I want to cover is just some basic fundamentals. Get those in place before you can attempt to solve any problem that a business in, it's important to realize the fundamental things that need to be in place. Next, I'm going to then cover a basic six-step approach, which is truly, truly universal in its application and one that applies to almost any nature of problem and any nature of the business. And then lastly, I'm just going to cover what I'm calling my top 10 problem-solving tools or techniques and um, hoping you can pick up and use some of these for the kind of issues you may be having in your business today. Right, so let's get straight into it. So the first thing I just want to cover here is what I'm really calling the fundamentals of any of these approaches. Now, it goes without saying that one of the things that is always true is the fact that problems will be encountered regardless of how well you are prepared or how long you've been in business. It's, it's irrespective. But there are three, three things that then become very, very important in the whole consideration of problem solving. And I want to just cover this at the forefront. So the first aspect is to do with measurement. So this is one of the key fundamentals of any problem solving method out there. It's the ability to measure and put a value to something, to put data in, 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 in the problems that you are encountering. So we talk of measurements or metrics or indicators, it's, it's all one and the same thing, as the data which will help analyze and understand the key things about any problem in business. So without measurement, you might as well forget attempting to solve any problem because quite clearly you wouldn't know where you are channeling your efforts and what impact those efforts are going to have. So just in the onset, we've got two types of data basically that we talk about in business. We've got what is called the attribute type of data. This is data which is either 
it's kind of like a yes or no type of question. Do you have four defects out of a hundred or do you have five defects out of a hundred? It's a yes or no type of measurement. So that's the attribute type of data. The second type of data you encounter in in, in processes and in businesses is what is called variable type of data. So as the name implies, this is data that varies with time or gradually changes over a period of time. A good example is to think of the temperature in a room within a day. It typically fluctuates depending on how, you know, if, if it's not a conditioned room or whether it's a conditioned room, it's irrespective, but you do get fluctuations in the temperature. So that's a, an example of a variable type of data. So that's the first thing in the fundamentals. The second thing about problem solving is all to do with actions. It's the ability to do something about a situation, taking action, doing something about it. That could be making that improvement or putting in a solution, putting in a fix, but actually doing something different about it. So that's at the heart of any problem solving technique that, that, that we're going to cover. Actions are going to be a part of it. And then the last point I just want to cover about fundamentals is the ability to review the impact those actions have had on your problem solving methods. So let's just recap on on that uh, aspect because these are really the key fundamentals. So the first thing is we use measurements whenever you are solving any problem in any business using any approach. You've got to have data, you've got to have measurements that inform and confirm so that we're not using any gut feels at all. Second point I mentioned is all about actions. It's about doing something positive about any given situation. And then the third point is about reviewing the impact of those actions. So those are the fundamentals out the way. So next thing, I want to just cover the basic approach. I like this basic approach a lot because it illustrates in in more ways than one how all of the methods that I'm going to then cover, the the 10 methods, as I said, borrow one aspect or all of the aspects from this six-step basic approach to problem solving. So let's go straight into it and look at how you then start to approach the process of solving a business problem. So... The first point is the beginning of it is where do you start? <laughs> That's really the, the key thing. So identifying the process or identifying the issue, knowing what the problem is, that is always the starting point. I say that because sometimes it's not that obvious what the problem is. Sometimes it's not that clear what is the scope of the issue what is the how big is the problem so you need to know where to start tackling that problem let's give a a brief scenario of uh, what this problem could be let's say you've got your website for your business and that's a key part of your uh, business strategy and one of the problems you are seeing is you are facing a decline a steep decline in people coming to visit your website the traffic to your website is in decline. So that's a problem that you've identified. So you need to know where do you start with that specific situation, with that problem I've just defined of decline in the traffic you're generating for your website. You need to know where does this problem actually start. Know 
what is the process? So in this very simple example, it's the process of attracting visitors or attracting traffic to come and visit the website. That is the problem. The problem is not the design of the website, the hosting of the website. It's no, you know, it's none of those things. It's specifically around attracting traffic. So that's an example of knowing where to start. So that's always going to be the first step of any approach. The second step is you need to know where do you want to be? What does good look like? So it's kind of like stating the objective. So, okay, you know your situation. You know where, where you want to start. That was point number one. And point number two is really saying, okay, so where do we want to be? Now, sticking with our example of this decline in traffic, you need to know, okay, the objective is I want to have 500 visitors coming to my website every single day. That is your objective. That is where you want to be. And that is step number two in the approach. Step number three, it's all about analyzing and understanding the end-to-end -end process or the flow of how your business operates in the scope of the problem where you, that, that you're facing. So to, to stick with our example, in the problem of decline of traffic coming to the website, what is the process that any visitor would take to arrive at your website? Do they start off by entering a search term, a keyword perhaps, a, a phrase perhaps? Or do they click on your advertisements? What is that process that brings visitors to your website in this simple example? But obviously, if, if in your particular business, you need to map out the exact flow of the processes that take place within the business so that you are able to see what can change, where are the variables, and have a first feel of what is causing the situation that you're currently faced with. So that's point number three there, analyzing the process. Step number four is about generating and selecting solutions. How can you do something different about the situation that you're in? You've analyzed the process, you know exactly how it's flowing. Quite likely as well, you can already see where that process could be broken or where it can be changed. So you then need to generate and select some solutions, which are basically, how can you do something different? This is the actions we talked about. And it's also worth mentioning at this point that you are going to come up with solutions which fall into two general buckets or two general types of solutions. You're going to get the small incremental type of change in, in, in the way you work, these usually are quite simple changes, but very effective. And um, within any business, typically there's little to any resistance in terms of implementing quickly these solutions. Then you're also going to have the big step improvements, which typically require some kind of investment, you know, in, in the bigger businesses, this could be a new machinery or new computer system, however, is applicable. But that's typically a big step improvement. Those are the two types of solutions you generally come across in, in, in business in terms of solving. Obviously, it goes without saying that the bigger the, the, the improvement step, the more involved it is and more, more resistance you're likely to face when introducing these solutions. The step 
Number five is all to do with gaining approval and support of the idea that you've come up with. Depending on the setup of your business, it is imperative that you get everybody on board, everybody on, on your side of the solution so that you get everybody supporting it going forward. Otherwise, it's just not going to be sustainable. And then in step number six, it's really about taking that bold action and initiating the change and most importantly, measuring the impact against the status quo or against where you originally started, where you said, where do we start? What was the initial situation? So when you've initiated the change, you then measure and create an action plan that is going to chart the way towards the objective that you'd have set in step number two. So quite Simply, that is the six-step basic approach. Let's go through that really, really quickly. Step number one is where do you start? Identify the process. Step number two is where do you want to be? State the objective. Step number three is analyze the process or the flow and kind of identify what is causing that situation. Step number four is generating and selecting solutions. And typically these fall into incremental or the small step type of solutions and the big step or kind of heavy investment in terms of resources required for, for that improvement. In step number five is all about gaining approval and support of the suggested solutions. And then in step number six is initiating that change and measuring what impact this is having in terms of approaching the objectives that you set in step number two. So that in essence is actually a robust six-step process in itself, which you can apply to most of the business problems that you have. Now, it goes without saying, obviously, the complexity and the size of the problem will require you to go into several depths of detail with each of these steps. Sometimes you may need to take one major step and break it down into several other steps, like where you where your problem definition in step number one is not so clear. You may want to use several different tools to know exactly where you want to start focusing on uh, solving that problem. Right, so let's move on now to the third part of this um, session where I now want to take you through 10 very, very quick but powerful tools that you can use as part of your problem-solving toolkit. So these, these would apply in either part of the six-step process that we've actually applied. So some of these tools will apply in step number one, some of them will apply in step number three, and so on and so forth. I'll take you through where each of these methods typically will apply. So let's go right through it in no particular order. The first tool I want to share with you is a very basic tool that is called the is or is not tool. So quite simply, it's it, it asks five questions. What is the issue? What is not the issue? And hence the name. So it's called the is forward slash is not or is is not tool. You are asking five questions to understand the scope and the extent of the problem. So the first question you want to ask is, what is being the description of a problem? What is not the problem? So you're actually saying, 
it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a yes or no type of question. You know, the problem is to do with traffic and it's not to do with the website design. The problem is to do with decline in the number of visitors per day and not to do with overall presence on the website, this kind of thing. So that's the first what question. The next question is when is the problem occurring? When is it not occurring? So you could find maybe that decline is occurring mainly towards the beginning of the month and not so much towards the end of the month. This is just a simple example, but you, you, I'm sure you get where I'm, where I'm coming from. The next question to ask is where is it happening? Where is it not? Then the next question is how much is happening and how much is not happening, where you can quantify that. And the last one is how, you know, similarly as well, how many, if, if, if that question is applicable. So you're basically asking what, when, who, where, and how much is or is not. So very, very simple, but powerful because it helps you define step number one. Where do you start? Okay, let's move on to tool number two, one of my all-time favorites. This is the tool called the Pareto Principle or the 80-20 rule. The background of this is Pareto, I believe, was an Italian economist who was doing work 19th century where he was looking at the wealth of the Italian population. And he came up with an interesting statistic that basically he discovered that 20% of the people in any given area that he was operating in owned 80% of the wealth. So this ratio, the 80-20 ratio, was almost true in every single area he was doing his uh, research in the into the economy of the wealth of the people. So he, you know, 80% of the wealth is always owned by 20% of the people. And then he started exploring this ratio in other aspects of, of life around him. 80% of this is due to 20% of the causes. And so that's where 80-20 principle came in. So as a problem-solving tool, Pareto helps with one thing. It helps with really prioritizing and focusing on the real issues that are behind any problem. So if you can imagine, uh, let's pick a different example now. Let's say you're operating a, a machine and this machine is stopping every now and again. And you kind of try to categorize the causes for the stoppages of this machine. Maybe you've got 10 different causes. But then if you analyze it further, you probably will end up with a situation where 80% of the stoppages are being caused by 20% of the causes, of the root causes of this problem. So that becomes the focus area because if you eliminate 80% of the stoppages by eliminating only 20%, then effectively you've you've impacted 80% of that problem. So that's the Pareto principle, very, very key in problem solving in that it allows you to focus and concentrate your efforts on the issues that either give you the biggest impact or are causing you the biggest pain. The next tool I want to cover is a tool called the five Wise. Now, this is a favorite of mine because, you know, it's it, it works quite simply by asking the question why five times. By the end of the fifth question, by the time you ask the fifth why, probably the answer you get then 
is most likely the root cause. Because in problem solving, it's all about eliminating the root cause of any problem so that this does not recur in the future. So if we just use this example a little bit further, so best way to bring it to life is consider one morning you wake up, cold, blistery morning, you try to start the car to drive to work, the car just wouldn't start. What's happened? No idea. So that's a problem. So how do you apply the five whys in this case? So first of all, before you even apply the five whys, if you ordinarily would have just walked out, maybe caught the bus instead and ended up being late at work and um, all sorts of things happening. And then on your way back to work, you decide to buy a new car battery, fit it into the car and hoping that has solved the problem. But this might not be the root cause why the car wouldn't start in the first place. So by applying the five whys, this may help you get to the bottom of the real root cause behind the reason why the car wouldn't start. So let's try and walk through the kind of questioning that you would go through. So the first question you may ask is, why didn't the car start? And the answer is because the battery was flat. Now you don't stop there and go out and buy a new battery. We need to ask another question. Why was the battery flat? Well, maybe because the alternator was not charging the battery. Now, why was the alternator not charging? That's our third question. Why was the alternator not charging the battery? Well, because the alternator had packed up. So why had the alternator packed up? Well, because the fan belt which operates the alternator had snapped. Why did the fan belt snap? Because it was worn out and it was not detected that it was worn out. Why was it not detected? That's probably the sixth why now. That shows that you can go it a little bit further if you can. Well, because the car wasn't being serviced. That's why it wasn't detected. So that then becomes the real root cause of this problem. So if you really want to solve this problem and nip it in the bud by eliminating the root cause, you would need to address the reasons why you were not servicing the car as opposed to just going out to buy a new battery, which is going to be flat within two weeks because the alternator is still the problem. So that just illustrates the five whys. Very, very simple, but powerful. So the next tool I want to talk about is brainstorming tool. Again, one of my favorites. Brainstorming is, is a pleasure to do because it allows you to think and be creative and most of the time, a solution is within the ideas that come up. So it's an idea generation tool and um, one that can be done in any circumstance. And one of the simplest ways in which we can illustrate brainstorming is to think of a problem question and try and invite ideas into the possible solutions. So a specific problem could be any one of the examples I've given, why are we losing so much traffic to our website? Why are people not visiting our website? And then you open it up to the brain as a brainstorm and people come up with their different ideas because we're not advertising to the right channels, because we're not using social media, because we're not da-da-da-da. Anything and everything goes within a brainstorm. And that's the beauty about the brainstorm. There are no rules 
at the brainstorming stage. There's no right and there's no wrong. You encourage as many ideas as possible to come forward. Then you filter the ideas further by categorizing them into what can make a group or a cluster of similar ideas. And you may also want to apply other tools such as the Pareto within the solutions that have come out from the brainstorm. So you can see where you know a combination of this number of tools can be used. So that's brainstorming in its very simplest form. Um, but what is key with brainstorming is you really want to limit it to very defined questions and for a specific period. And you typically want to pick the best idea out of whatever has come out of this brainstorm and use that as a solution going forward. So this is one that is typically used when it comes to the generate and select solutions, which was step number four in our basic approach. Brainstorming would work well there. The next tool, which is tool number five, which I'm going to share with you is the checklist. Checklist is simply just a list of things that need to be asked or need to be in place to prevent a problem from occurring or to prevent a situation from, from happening. A good example I like to give is, again, in staying with the cars, if you take in your car for a service, if it's a minor service, they typically would go through a checklist where they need to check the tires, they need to check the brakes, the air filters, the oil filters, the oil level, and any other wear and tear. And this is typically on a list, which is the checklist, and it's a it's a yes or no, is it okay or not? You could also have a checklist which um, is in the form of variables where you're actually measuring, let's say, the tire thread, how many millimeters that is, that's a measurable. If it's less than three millimeters, then that means the tire needs to be replaced. That's an example of a variable checklist. So again, very simple, basic problem solving tool, one that is out there to use. The sixth tool is simply called Pokayoki. This comes from the Japanese language and it basically means to foolproof or to prevent the inevitable from happening as much as possible. A great example of this is here in the UK, we've got this three pin plug where the top of the plug is one pin and then you've got the bottom of the power plug for any electrical gadget that you want to plug into the um, electric electrical circuit uses the same three pin plug. So you've got the earth, neutral and the live. So it's done in such a way that there is no other way you can fit that plug into the wall unless you get the earth to go to the earth terminal, the live to go to the live terminal and the neutral to get to the new neutral terminal. And that is an example of poker yoking. It just basically means designing a process or designing a system in such a way that you cannot make a mistake out of it. It's like when you put a key into the keyhole. If you put it the other way around, it just won't go in. It just won't work. So that's a, another great example of poker yoke. Then the seventh idea about problem solving it's one i like to call process imagineering it's actually a mishmash or a mashup of two words imagining and engineering so this is like blue sky thinking where you're faced with a problem and you kind of almost define a an imagination of what could be a perfect solution 
regardless of what the problem is, but you define what could be the perfect solution. And then you try to bridge the gap between the reality today and that perfect solution. Sometimes you may find there are actual steps you can take to approach what the perfect solution could be. So in an ideal world. world. So that's process imagineering. Then let's go through the last couple ones here, the last three methods, which are really like now for bigger business problems, such as the big step improvements that I mentioned. So the first one I want to cover is a method called process flowchart or value stream mapping, depending on which school of thought you're coming from, but it's really one and the same thing. And all it is, is the ability to map out the process in detail in terms of what are the activities involved in the process, and then asking several questions around that process. Typically, you're looking at process steps that are considered non-value adding, process steps that are considered wasteful, process steps that are considered duplicates and not really necessary to go through that. And you're also looking at an optimal flow and a more efficient flow of a particular process. So it's a, it's a special art in itself. It's a special um, approach to problem solving, but just mapping out a process can highlight to you several different flaws within that process. So that's value stream mapping or process flow charting. I like to consider it as one and the same thing. And there are several tools nowadays, online tools that you can use to, to really do a quick and very effective process flow chart. Then the next one is the cause and effect diagram or the cause and effect method, which is also known by the name of fishbone. This is used really to identify opportunities for improvements by showing the relationship between the effect and all the potential causes. So the diagram shows a large number of causes to a particular problem. And these causes of that problem are grouped into major categories. The major categories could be, okay, what are the causes due to materials that we use in this process, for example? What are the causes due to machines or systems that we use? What are the causes due to the people that use these processes? What could be the causes to the methods that the people use? And so on and so forth. So there are various categories you could use, but it works by just writing the problem on one extreme end of a paper or, or a, uh, a chart and then drawing a large arrow point into that problem. And then you also draw arrows which are, you know, approaching the main arrow at an angle to kind of create the fishbone effect. And each of your major arrows, typically you have five or six, is a major category of the causes and then the individual causes are aligned to that. So it's a way of clustering and typically works really well immediately after a brainstorming session. So your brainstormed causes could then feed into the cause and effect diagram, also known as the Ishikawa or the fishbone. So let's go right through to the last one, which I will mention here, the problem solving tool called DMAKE might have heard of this one coming out from the Six Sigma School of Thought. It's really, again, a very well-known, very well-used 
problem-solving methodology that breaks down the process into five sta stages, very similar to that six-step approach, but, you know, with its own phases. So DMAC stands for, D is for defining what the problem is, M is for measurement or measuring, A is for analyzing using data, I is for coming up with improvements, and C is for the control. So that's DMAKE in a nutshell. I will post a link to a separate article that I have done on DMAKE, which is on the smallbizkaizen.com blog, and you can read that in a little bit more detail. So there we have it. That's my problem-solving toolkit right there. And as I said, you know, these are really tools that you need to look at as part and parcel of your toolbox, which you then dip into every now and again to see what tool fits with a particular situation. You cannot use a pliers where you need a screwdriver and you cannot use a hammer where you need a hacksaw. So that's basically the long and short of problem solving tools. So there we have it. I hope you enjoyed that session right there and uh, just a reminder to all our new listeners that the best way to keep in touch with what's happening on this podcast is to subscribe in itunes we are really climbing up the ranks if you look up under small biz or under kaizen we are now ranking in the top three so it's really really great for the support that you've been giving us and um Thank you so much for sticking around and for her, for all the inspiration that I get um, through some of the comments made on the blog. And I encourage you to just leave a comment or even a question. I really want to come up with a question and answer episode where I can answer some of the questions surrounding improvements within your business. So let's leave it at that and um, hope you can pick up these uh, problem-solving tools and uh, put them into good use. So till next time, over and out.